The eyewitness was a woman driving through Cottage Grove at night. Scoogie, oogie, oogie. Hey, Jai. You know how um, Siri says your name? Have you, have you taken note of this? My own name or one's name generally? No, no, no. Um, your name, specifically. Hmm. I, haven't inqu- I haven't queried Siri about this, Matt. I say to Siri, um, Siri, call Ed Skoog. And Siri says, calling Ed Skoog. It's good. It's going to hurry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You and I are both in uh, um, different locations. You are. I don't have any visual on you. I really? Have to say. Yeah. Um, well. I s- oh, wait, can, wait, you, wait, 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 wait. You can see my fine uh, <gasps> Here I come. V-neck, V-neck uh, white t-shirt. I can, and now you should be able to see me. I just... Um, I just turned the camera I can on. see you now. Nice to see you. You're in a new location. You have lots of books behind you. Yeah. Instead of a uh, um, a gallery of French windows and um, tuxedo butlers um, with silver, uh, three-tiered silver trays of uh, bonbons and cucumber wafers. Um, <laughs> which was my background. Which was uh, your, uh, until your previous recently. background. Yeah. Yeah. Now I see uh, I see uh, the Pinsky translation of the Inferno. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see some reference works. Yeah. Some post-its. <laughs> Do you? Let's see. I see what may be a Santa gnome figurine inside a crystal on the top shelf. Uh. Okay. Well, let's go with that. Mm-hmm. I uh, the, the thing- one I sent you. The things you really <laughs> the Santa gnome and a crystal embedded in a crystal that I sent you. I send you one every Christmas. Uh, yeah, this is where I keep them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good to see you. Good to see you too. I'm at um, I'm at I'm at my office, of course. Your office at Cornell yeah. University. Yeah, the land of of okay Wi-Fi. Really? Yeah, the Wi-Fi is good here. That's is that is that unusual or I don't know maybe you uh, maybe there's some differences in infrastructure investment between Cornell and Portland Community College Southeast Campus. There there might be. Where, there might be. Where I can't even raise a a, a phone call, um, not even cellular coverage, let alone Wi-Fi coverage. Yeah, and now you and you. But I'm not complaining, John. No, no, please. I'm not I... a complainer. I'm just pointing out. That sometimes when daycare calls me in the middle of class uh, to pick up my poopy kid, it uh, I don't get the call till after class. <laughs> Do you mean the, they make the call and your phone rings forty minutes later? It doesn't ring. Doesn't ring. Don't, oh. No cell. No phone coverage. But that, that's okay. There's the art of the personal essay. That's a handy one. <laughs> um, yeah. Poetry of Robert Frost. Yeah, poetry and uh, what's behind me is poetry essays and stuff people send me. Stanley Kunitz, I see. Collected poems. Dennis Johnson, I think I know just from the red band around the the spine. Spine design. Yep. Yep. Very good. Carl Phillips. James Wright, Above the River. This is what you want to talk about, right? The books that are on the shelf. I sure don't. (laughs) But, John, it's what people want to hear. 
<laughs> I have a prize for any anybody listening. By the way, really, I'll go ahead. And, I'll go ahead and st- I'll go ahead and lead with that. Okay, let's hear. I it. have two tickets in my hand that I got for free to an evening with Amy Mann. What? And Ted Leo. Yeah, I, you, I don't. I don't feel you've sweetened the deal with Ted Leo, but oh. it still still sounds pretty good. Well, and Ted Leo's drummer James Canty. Oh, brother of uh, of Kevin, Kevin, and also of Brendan and of the Fugazi. Uh, this is the brother who was in the band Nation of Ulysses. I remember them well. I have one of their records still. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concert is at Revolution Hall here in Portland. Friday night, I can't go. I'm going to be in Houston, Texas at a wedding. Um, I'm giving these tickets away free to some friend of ours, may perhaps from Portland, who listens to the show Mm -hmm. and and contacts, uh, I guess, me at edskoog at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, And you can have these tickets. First person, first friend to to let me know. Because I don't want them to go to waste. I can't go. Jill can't go. Amy Mann. Ted Leo and friends. You so, know, um, you can be one of those friends. Uh, Amy Mann at any price is a good deal. Free, it's a very good deal. Free is a good deal. Do you so, remember when you first heard of Amy Mann? Yeah, when when uh, Till Tuesday had their big hit. <laughs> I forget. I always forget. That's her. Yeah, that's her. That uh, greasy dude. Have you ever seen the video uh, for one of her songs, I think from her last record, um, Charmer, Um, that the whole thing is like a reversed pastiche, a reverse parody of the uh, Voices Carry video with John John Worcester as the... Yeah, Yeah, it's fantastic. (laughs) As the guy who who, uh, is forced to cut his hair. Um, It's very funny. I should yeah. I'll put that in the put that in the notes. Free tickets, Friday night, June third, eight o'clock, Revolution Hall. Legends, Amy yeah. Mann. Definitely. Labrador. That's the that's the song. Mm-hmm. Good tune. It's a good kind of dog. And it's a good island. Oh yeah, have you been there? No. <laughs> <laughs> but people don't talk enough how Labrador. Maybe I'm thinking of Newfoundland. Yeah, was an independent country. Um, is, that, is that so, Ed? Between, um, I think it was Labrador. It was an independent country between Canada's independence from Canada and, I think, joining Canada. Uh, you know, a couple <laughs> years later, and they had their own money and everything. Wow, Labrador. Independent North American nation, kind of like Texas. I've read the, uh, um, I've read the, the uh, novel of that title by Catherine Davis, which is a, a longtime favorite. Is it about the island of Labrador? Uh, in, in that sort of obscure Catherine Davis-y metaphorical way, yes. It's a uh, French word, yeah. le bras d'or. It's it's French for the breeders. It's the the a door friend. made entirely out of brassieres. <laughs> that that the, the natives of Labrador um, adorn their uh, their houses, their dwellings. I wouldn't call them houses. Uh, their dwellings with 
<laughs> these days, oh. they'll often just hang one bra by the door because it's these modern times. And they don't, people don't even know what the history of it is. <laughs> you, are you about to tell us what it is, Ed? Well, I, you know, I, I don't want to steal Catherine Davis's thunder. <laughs> well, that's the name of my next book: is stealing Catherine Davis's thunder. <laughs> you can just call it thunder. I couldn't figure out how to spell braziers. It's two s's and one r, not one s and two r's. It's very close to brasserie. Yeah, that's too close to brasserie. That's one of the problems with it. Yeah. yeah. There's lots of problems in the world, John. One of them is goat dragons. <laughs> Would you like to... Uh, I, somehow I have uh, this problem, this world problem has escaped my attention. Why don't you tell me about it? You, don't, you haven't heard about goat dragons? No. Yeah, actually, I'm thinking of deer dragons. There's goat suckers, the chubacabra. Yeah. But there's also um, been reports um, lately. According, So uh, when I go to the, the northeast branch of the uh, Portland Public Library, yeah, they have a nice kids section because it's the nearest, it's the library um, nearest to Beverly Cleary's uh, childhood home and where all the Ramona books are set. Oh, really? Yeah. And so they've uh, um, invested well. In, in making have a, having a very including a marble wall that as a map of the neighborhood showing the locations in marble. Wow! Of uh, um, Ramona and you know like paper routes and schools and made up things. But so uh, I have to, I stand a long time while Oscar plays in the children's area along the in the kind of the one hundreds section okay. of the Dewey Decimal System. Yeah. So it's history of the English language. Okay. Boring. I already took a class in that, and that professor turned out to be a murderer. What? <laughs> so it's a dodgy subject. Wait, 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 wait. What was what were the circumstances of the murder? History of the English language, Kansas State University, early nineties. Professor Tom Murray, who would come to class after uh, uh, after working out, and he'd be kind of roided up and really scary, and also very erudite. Uh huh. And. Uh, um, and a couple years later, he offed his wife in a grisly fashion. Wow, wow. And he was He's... convicted. All the, only, all the only evidence is circumstantial. I think mostly they got to they gotta look at him. Wow. Pro- professor on trial, the murder of Carmen Ross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, taught my history of the seven, English Seven class. years ago, this, I guess this was written in 2010, so it would have been 90, no, 2003. Seven years ago, peace advocate Carmen Ross was brutally murdered in her home northwest of Lawrence. A jury convicted her ex-husband, Thomas Murray, a Kansas State University English professor, of first-degree murder. And he was sentenced to life in prison. The crime will be featured at 8 p.m. Monday on Investigation Discovery as part of a new series, Hardcover Mysteries. Yeah. So that's the history of the English language. And then it's philosophy. I had one philosophy class, and uh, that professor did not kill anyone that we know about <laughs> that's said uh, that's uh, said about me often yeah. i think yeah yeah um not formally suspected murderer j robert lennon uh, not not presently a suspect future unindicted co-conspirator <laughs> yeah j robert lennon that professor, uh, philosophy professor, was about to retire, so he was really phoning it in. He was, you know, seventy, 
and he was he was done with the youth. Yeah. Yeah. So that's in that aisle. So but also <laughs> also in the hundreds of the Dewey Decimal System is uh, just a lot of reference work, a lot yeah. of real references below 100, right? But um, there's uh, sort of books about monsters and phenomena and esoterica and uh, uh, hermeticism and things like that. Alchemy mm-hmm. is in yeah. that section. Do you think so, this is having an effect on your parenting style? Uh, standing and, and yeah. uh, far away from my child as he plays <laughs> with strangers? Did I ever tell you about no, the time... No, I think it's been my style uh, all along, John. time I, I brought uh, Owen to the library, the public library, and he, you know, he was more than old enough to be on his own in the children's section. Um, and it was my habit to bring him to the children's sections, kind of turn him loose, and then go over and get some fiction. And about mm-hmm. ten minutes later, go back and find him reading in the children's section. Mm-hmm. Um, he might have been six. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I returned there once to find him with sitting next to a woman who had her arm around him. A very energetic woman with a very intense gaze. And she looked up at me as I approached and said... We were wondering where you were. And then she disappeared? Uh, There was a a period of about 30 or 40 seconds where I had implicitly to prove that I was not an abusive child abandoner. Mm -hmm. Um, And I finally sort of dismissed her. And she turns out not to have been an employee of the library, but just an ambient busybody. (laughs) <laughs> ambient busybody is a great phrase oh okay. it sounds like a, a, a genre of a musical genre i'm really into ambient uh, busybody these days how come busybody has not been ambient re- busybody re- core hasn't been repurposed as a as a as a as a, a, a term to, like a, what you do at a rave yeah the body's on the floor getting busy getting busy yeah i don't know why well, because we haven't we haven't announced it on our podcast yet. That's <laughs> well why. now it's now it's in the world. Yeah, I love your. I think it's a true story that's in the. Uh, I read in the manuscript of what was called Monsters at the time. Was it yeah. called Monsters? Uh, yeah. Now it's called. Let me think. Yeah. Hi, Oscar. He's watching Paw Patrol. No pup is too big. No, no problems too big. No pup is too small. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what what's the true story in question? You uh, disappeared. I disappeared? Disappeared as a child for 15 or 20 minutes and reappeared several blocks away and you weren't sure that, how that you got m- there. That is might, that purely fiction, or is that? Uh, I think it's fiction, but it might not be. I can't. I don't. I, I don't actually remember the story. I'll have to look. At, I'll have to reread my own book. Well, it's, it's a it's a very um, pieces left handish piece about a. Uh, no, it's, it's the characters remembering being a child and um, you know be, playing in the yard. Yeah, and then the, the mother, and then you know, mother finds him too far away for him to have walked, and the kid having no memory of. Or explanation of how he got there. Maybe he's a little too young to be able to explain. Oh yeah, yeah. no, that was that's made up. That's all made up. Yeah, but I but it, it's it's about 
ultimately the uncanniness of childhood. Yeah. I feel like I feel like our our uh, skewed perception of the passage of time and and how far away from things other things are. Everything is relative when you're a child. There are no absolute distances and durations. and mm-hmm. Or rather, I, I would say there are no absolute distances and durations for adults either, except we know that they're supposed to be. That yeah. in some version of the real world, aside from our perception of it, that is a real thing. And so our perception of the world, we drag into place to match what we know to be true empirically. But when you're a child, you don't do that. You don't yeah. know that that's a thing. You only know your own experience. And so this idea that uh, sp- that space and time are fluid, and I think our memories of feeling that way in childhood are very powerful. It's part mm-hmm. of the magic of childhood, right? That it feels like a magical time because on some level... It it is you. It was a different. It was a different kind of reality, essentially. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. story is kind of about that, I think. Mm-hmm. That uh, story is not publicly available, is it? I don't think so. Um, the uh, I did. I do have a new draft of the book, though. It's so got you a, said, yeah. yeah. It's got about 115 yeah. stories in it, and I came up with a. I came up with a, a what I think is a good, a good way of. Um, dividing everything up. I, st- I started out with three... I was thinking I'd divide into three parts, and I thought, okay, what are some of the things the stories are about? And um, one of them was love. One of them yeah. was um, thinking, the process of thinking. Uh, one of them is about a, a sort of uncanniness, um, dra- dreaming, essentially. So mm. it was going to be lo- thinking, loving, and dreaming. Or th- and then I added a beginning and ending because um, a lot of the stories are about things starting and then th- things stopping. So there ended up being five sections, and I thought, well, let's see how many fit into each category. And the answer is, it's uh, they're almost evenly distributed throughout the yeah throughout the manuscript. So I've given it to some new readers, and we'll see what they. What so that so those it's in those sections independent of uh, of the style. Yes. Was so, it a composition? Because you had a lot well, of different compositional challenges, which is how you had it arranged in the first place. Was exactly. here's a group of this this limitation, this experiment. Yeah, and you, which was said, great, but I but I thought it yeah. could be. You had said to me initially more. that like the reader doesn't really care how you made them. I mean, the writer reader will care about how I made them. Yeah. Um, but I did think there was something kind of interesting about that, so I sidelined it. I did not foreground the methods of creation. Occasionally, I will put in italics after the story, like mistranslated mm-hmm. from the Dutch. So, you know, mm-hmm. after you have read it and have taken it on its own terms, uh, you can you get a little hint of what kind of thing I think thing that's it is. great. Think but that's the mistranslations are sp- spread across all five. Uh, the marriage stories are all in the love section, but they kind of bookend mm-hmm. it, some at the beginning mm-hmm. and some at the end. Um, so, different stuff... It, it's uh, part, partly according to the themes, partly according to the styles. I've tried to... We'll see. We'll see what people say about it. But I took mm-hmm. a lot of your advice of the earlier draft into, into consideration and wrote a bunch more stuff. Yeah, excited. Yeah. Do you want to hear about the deer dragons? Oh, so they are deer dragons now. They're not yeah. goat dragons. All right. right yes, no, I, no. yes, I do. No, they're deer. Deer dragons. Okay, go, go ahead. Yeah. Not a diary entry. 
or a letter to the editor of Two Dragons. <laughs> or a letter to the editor to Dragon Magazine. Were you, ever, were you a subscriber to Dragon Magazine? <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> I was also a subscriber. That was a great magazine. Uh, it really was good. It was, it was a really great magazine. No, I, it, it, it is fantastic total, art. Oh, you know what? I bet someone has... Um, that shit is online. That's some of the first shit to be. ever go online was Dragon Magazine. Gotta be, right? Back copies, yeah. All right. The internet was probably invented... To speed up the the sharing of Dragon Magazine issues. <laughs> oh my God! I don't think. Oh, in, Internet Archive adds Dragon Magazine. Oh scans. yeah, yeah, it does. It could be that they that they've been taken down, but um, let's see. Oh, it's not there anymore. Oh, yeah, that D and D took took it down. Well, that sucks. You can still buy print copies of a lot of the early stuff, apparently. It was old TS, maybe eBay, probably. Yeah. But anyway, tell me about yeah. the Deer Dragons. Another creature described as dragon-like nearly caused a freeway accident near Cottage Grove, Oregon in June 1996, according to Neil Arnold in Alien Zoo. Cottage Grove is a small town in Lane County that's known as the Covered Bridge Capital of Oregon since it boasts seven of the quaint structures. Two major highways run through the town and it's surrounded by creeks and riverways, wooded hills, and a reservoir. The eyewitness was a woman driving through Cottage Grove at night who said that something she at first thought was a deer burst onto the highway, running at a speed the motorist estimated at least 70 miles per hour. On its hind legs. <laughs> that would have been startling enough, but then the deer, that's in quotes, suddenly flipped a set of wings from its back and shot up into the sky. The woman thought that the wings didn't seem large enough to lift a creature that size into the air. I'm glad she's logicking this out as she's watching yeah. the deer fly. Those away. wings too small. Wait a minute. <laughs> Your wings too small. <laughs> The dark sky obscured her view of the creature after that. The brief account in Alien Zoo didn't say whether the creature was covered in fur or scales. If fur-covered, it may belong to the Bat-Squatch chapter of this book, especially since the northern and west coast states are Bat-Squatch hotspots. <laughs> I might also refer to it as an American gargoyle. I do occasionally receive reports of upright deer. A Massachusetts man wrote to tell me of an upright deer that he saw sometime in the very late 1990s or early 2000s near Gordon Gunwell Theological Seminary in South Hamilton. He was a student at the seminary and was driving home one night when he saw something strange just off the road as he approached a small bridge. It appeared to be a deer standing on its hind legs, partially behind a tree staring at him. It looked at him for a few seconds, he said, and then slowly moved behind the tree. And then it ate the chips. I asked him whether it could have been anything else other than a deer. The animal I saw did not look like a wolf, he wrote. The strange thing about how tall it was. That's not, the he's not answering the question. More, more like a person and not hunched over. It was just weird. South Hamilton around the cemetery. The seminary, I'm sorry, is spooky at night anyway. Feels like something is watching you in a negative way. <laughs> Since he didn't see wings, I would not really classify it as a dragon or even a gargoyle. 
Bigfoot comes to mind. <laughs> or perhaps consulting Occam's razor to find the simplest explanation. It was actually a deer that was standing up to reach some tasty bark on a tree. It's <laughs> probably true. <laughs> I love how I love how he's asked are, are you sure that it's a deer? And his answer is, well, it didn't look like a wolf. Yeah. And since those are the only two woodland creatures, it must have been a deer. Yeah. Those are the two woodland creatures that are the nursed creatures. back to health and restored to their woodland homes. Yeah. As I've noted before, there's nothing spookier than an animal doing something truly unexpected, especially while it's watching us. <laughs> Where are you reading this? It's a book called American Monsters that's in the 100s. Uh, it's it's 001.994 in the Dewey Decimal System, so it's very close. <laughs> I'd like to point out to the edge of the shelf where I should have been, as I can see my kid from the 001s, further into the 100s. It's a narrower um, aperture Good. It's, to, it's, to uh, watch the children's section from. It's written by Linda S. Godfrey. Yeah. Whose prose style, I must say, I quite like, given that It's excerpt. intriguing, yes. Yeah. 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 It's also a great chapter about uh, pig people. <laughs> and uh, lots of reports of uh, pig people being uh, going to uh, Goodwills and thrift stores <laughs> in Ohio and Pennsylvania. All kind of families of pig people going in and thrift shopping. <laughs> You'd think there would be photographic evidence of that. Well, or maybe there Saks is. Fifth Avenue, you know. <laughs> uh, oh. put, in mind, put in mind, of course, of, of uh, the book we've talked about before, but not enough people have read Lives of the Monster Dogs. Yeah, yeah. I do, uh, I do still love it. I haven't, I ha it's one of those books like um, Bruce Duffy's The World as I Found It, which I loved so much when I first yeah. read it that I don't, I don't dare read it again. No. No, especially after I didn't like what he wrote after that, whatever it was. Yeah, it's back, back to the. I keep thinking back to the egg, but that's a Paul McCartney album that yeah. I that I also don't want to go back and listen Wait, to. Are again. you thinking about Mamumia? Are you thinking about the song Mamumia? I'm not. Tell me about the song Mamumia. It's on the Wings album that has Jet and. Uh, um, okay. On it. Hold on. The first the, the first Wings album. Yeah, let's see. Um, was Jet on the first McCartney album? I think it's, on, what, it's on Band on the Run. Band on the Run, I'm sorry. Band on the Run, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember that song, but um, I do like Band on the Run, I think. Oh, God. I'm afraid, oh. I'm afraid of 70s and early 80s McCartney. I really am. It may be the only McCartney I like. Yeah. It may be well, the only things I like of Paul McCartney. Well, because I don't like the Beatles. Are um, Eddie, Band on the Run and Eddie. Give My Regards to Broad Street. You know what? What happened to you? What happened to you is that you went to Winfield and heard bluegrass covers of Beatles songs too many times, and it's I destroyed did. the Beatles for you. I did. I did. Yeah. It starts easy. It starts with uh, like a Norwegian Wood and Rocky <laughs> Raccoon, which is which is acceptable. Yeah. But then suddenly somebody's trying to do. Uh, a uh, day in the life, uh, <laughs> helter skelter. <laughs> helter skelter. Have you heard a bluegrass cover of helter skelter? Surely, I've, I've heard it all. I've heard it all. <laughs> heard it all. Yeah. Poor man. Heard it all. <laughs> heard everything. Well, anyway. 
when um d- i can't remember how it's been a couple of months since we've done a podcast but we uh i think since let's see did i t- did has it been a couple about- of months it's been a very uneventful couple of months if it has yeah it's been it's been a little bit more than two months um yeah it was right before we attended uh the conference in los angeles yeah um that's correct that's correct. It was. Um, well, since then, my friend, uh, uh, a friend of the show, Laurel, was in town. Oh, by the way, happy birthday to friend of the show, Laurel, who is 30. Happy 30th birthday, Laurel. Today. Um, we, uh, we got talking about the Beatles and started arguing about... Um, we started arranging the Beatles in order of whiteness. Mm. Mm-hmm. Who's the whitest Beatle? Uh, I'm trying to decide what we remember, what we, what we chose, what we decided. Um, we thought that George was the least white beetle. I think. What's at the other end of the scale? What are you defining their whiteness against? Um, well, eth- ethnicness. I guess. I guess. <laughs> I guess. I guess American blackness. I would say. Which American, because they all have their pretenses towards. Uh, uh, South Asianness, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, that that may be true. Tried yeah. tried that for a while. Yeah, there are enough photos of them trying to be South Asian that um, yeah. that that's other question. No, I'm thinking, and they, you know, obviously we're all influenced on some level by the music of African American, uh, sure, uh, blues and R and B artists. So, um, and I think the we, we define non the least whitenessness of each of them according to how comfortably they wear that cloak, shall we say? And okay. I think we chose George as the least white beetle. John as the second least white beetle. Um, Ringo as the third least white beetle, and Paul as the whitest beetle. Paul's the whitest beetle. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she'll correct me if I'm wrong. There's there's arguments to be made for all of them because they're all very very white. <laughs> because they're all white is what very, it comes what it comes down to. None of them is remotely black. That's yeah. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. I think of I think of the distance between uh, uh, the, the the saintedness of of your namesake John Lennon and. Uh, the, the the video the concert footage I've seen of early in their career where he pretends to be mentally challenged oh, no. the entire show he does these horrible imitations of of, of somebody who's who's terribly afflicted and the kid and he's they're all laughing and it's very fun for everybody very fun those bastards yeah shitheads we're all shitheads we're all whereas all the bands you like have oh they're great <laughs> great people never did anything wrong. You know what? Uh, I was making a, um, I was making a mix CD of up of uh, upbeat music for a friend a couple of weeks ago, uh-huh. and um, was just sort of you know scrolling through my collection, my iTunes library to see what peppy songs I might have forgotten about, and I came up with one that you introduced to me, and that in, as soon as I heard it, it evoked driving around in the hills of Los Angeles uh, with mm-hmm. you, and that is um, uh, Chicken Payback. Oh, it's a great song. By Band, Band of Bees? <laughs> Band of Bees. Band of Bees, from the album yeah. Free the Bees. Great album. Yeah, Chicken Payback is mm-hmm. a great song. Yeah, back, pay the chicken back, back, pay the chicken back, do the chicken payback. Yeah. Back. <laughs> 
Yeah. It turns into a it turns from revenge fantasy to a dance. Yeah. Very quickly, and then they all make animal sounds in the mm-hmm. in the in the middle of the song. It's it's a great tune. It's a great tune. I'm, I will uh, link people to it. Yeah. It doesn't get much better than the band of bees. <laughs> and they're not going to be uh, mocking developmentally disabled people. That's no, sure. and neither will they be um, performing this Friday at the Revolution Hall with a free ticket for a friend. Unlike certain people you could name. Contacts me at edskoog at gmail.com or walks over to my house and knocks on the door and says, hey, I was just listening and give me them tickets. <laughs> uh, how, do you feel about, how do you feel about Trip Shakespeare, John? I love them. Yeah? Yeah, I, I had two of their records when I was in college. Uh, my friend Kent Mortimer, a drummer who hails from Minneapolis, um, was a big fan of Trip Shakespeare. And they're very, I think they're very much a, a greatly skilled band that was only ever regionally well-known. Um, but they deserve wider recognition. They had a great novelty song called "The Slacks." Oh, I don't remember the Slacks. Yeah, I was. I had. I was thinking of the song "The Crane." Yeah, so I was. I went down a, a little memory hole from Ted Leo and my favorite Ted Leo and the pharmacist song "Ballad of the Sin Eater," uh-huh. which is a kind of gather round and let me tell you a, a story song. And I was thinking of other songs that, other you know, rock and pop songs that that start with that kind of, you know, archaic. Let me gather around and hear me tell, right? Yeah. And uh, one that I thought of was the the crane, which, uh, um, which is a the a, a, a sort of a fantasy of, of revenge against um, the people trying to repossess his car. You now he's going <laughs> to drive it off a cliff. And that the bank can let the let the crane take back the engine, let the crane take back the wheel. And oh, I feel I, that the world can come with me when I ride to that crack in the earth. It's on the same. Um, I don't remember the song, but same it's on how? the same same record as the pants or as the slacks. The slacks. Yeah. Um, let me look the, the lyrics to the crane. Um, yeah. Hear me tell how the hounds of the bankers took my mind to the freaking ridge. How the claims and the howling reminders kept my eyes from their rest at night. When the dogs of the bank are upon me and they've come to repossess my car, I'll be found at the base of the canyon. I'll be torn from the wreck of the motor. All you men that live for the evening, seven hours when the light forgives, and you race like a dog when he's dreaming, and you wait for the yank of the hook... Understand that the chains are magical and they strain to keep you where you are. I'll be found at the base of the canyon. I'll be torn from the wreck of the motor. Let the crane take back the engine. <laughs> Let the crane... It's, it's like clear. It's yeah. good. Well, the yeah. slacks also begins that way. Um, can I tell you a romantic story about the one-eyed lady in France? I get... <laughs> I guess the king decreed that all the various princes should try to get inside her pants. So along came a St. Paul dandy. He was six and a half feet tall. He said, all the little ladies love roses. She took the roses, and that was all. The next man for the one-eyed lady was my dignified brother Dan. He said, bring the little woman some kisses and attention. She wouldn't even shake his hand. Then I moved into the picture. I was wearing these magic pants. I said, 
Let the blind bottom of my body do the talking. She fell into a magic trance. And then the, the chorus is, I wore the pants. I said, relax. We did a dance they call the slacks. And one thing That's I right. love about this song, and um, I love it for the same reason that I love They Might Be Giants' Cowtown, and I love it mm-hmm. in the same way that I love the Bangles' Walk Like an Egyptian, which is the different band. I didn't band. know that you loved it. I love that song. The yeah. band members, each of the band members gets a verse. Oh, I do like that. Of the song. Yeah. And brings a little different personality to it. So yeah. in this you song... You all did a number of times in the, uh, the, the uh, Starlight band. Yeah, yeah, we, we like to do that. Um, bands with multiple singers who sing very differently from each other, that's a thing they should do. So then... Um, but then each of the band members retells the story, and they, each of them says, hey, wait, that's not how it happened. I was the one. You know, this, the next guy says, let me tell you the truth of this story. It was me moving in those pants. Matt said the way to her heart is through her tummy. And then he took her out to restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, the, do, you, and then, do you think that these were, that they composed the lyrics before the music? I don't know. They're unusually complete. I mean, they're unusually... They stand very well on their own, and I remember this about all of their um, words. However, I think they might be kind of unicorny in this way, because you don't... Listening to them, you don't think someone built music around these lyrics. Um, They sound like complete songs, but when you see the lyrics printed out, they're hilariously composed. Like, they're... Yeah, yeah. Grammar, the syntax level. Yeah, yeah. Sinuous sentences that go across um, from stanza to stanza. Yes, sinuous sentences. Well, well. Yeah, snake-like, <laughs> winding. Yeah. Um, Very uncool where I grew up. Although I was in the region of which they listened to it, was uh, like stoner, lightly weekend stoner frat boys liked Trip Shakespeare, but but many of those then were converted to better music or cooler music cooler music sure yeah one more show yeah another Paw Patrol show yeah no pup is too small yeah yeah okay he he actually he actually asked you for approval to watch one more oh yeah that's great yeah but you would not like to witness what would have happened if I had said no (laughs) no 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 (laughs) definitely this podcast would be over (laughs) yeah this shit is over well uh he um, has created a natural a natural break uh, for us to transition to talking about food. If you're interested, because I have some food, um, I've I've done some food research and I want to report my findings. I would like to hear it. Uh, may have been the last program, might have been the one before that, um, but I had been talking about my discovery that uh, New Haven pizza is different from New York pizza, and in fact, it is spelled differently. It's spelled a pizza. Uh, that's is that where that comes from? What a pizza as a spelling? Yeah, because the, there's Haven. a few places here in Portland that that spell it that way. Oh, really? And as a, um, I wouldn't what I assumed was either a deliberate affectation or just an attempt to get uh, towards the front of the phone book. But although they would, although they would, they'd be in the they would be in the A section. They wouldn't be near the other pizza places so if you were looking merely alphabetical for something to eat you might come across them but if you were looking for pizza they'd be far from the core there's a place called a pizza shoals here which is the best pizza in portland what what, tell me what the style of this pizza is at a pizza shoals um 
Well, I, I didn't think it was unusual. I mean, it was a thin, a thinner crust, and yeah. uh, I don't know. It wasn't an unusual pizza. Okay. It wasn't a food pile. I'm looking at their FAQ. Um, why? Why do you run out of dough? <laughs> why do we all have to be present before being seated? Why don't you just extend your hours? Why not open more locations? Why do I have to know how many pizzas I will be ordering? <laughs> that does seem like a fundamental thing yeah. for a customer to know. Why do yeah. you take our name off the wait list after calling it twice? Why do you limit <laughs> what I can put on my pizza? What's with the name of Pizza Shoals? People so, line up for like two or three hours to okay. get into this place. So they say, ah, okay, here we go, here we go. We opened our pizzeria, Shoals Public House, in January of 2004. We were often compared to the pizzerias in New Haven, Connecticut, by many ah. of our regulars. Many of those pizzerias have a pizza in their name. Ten months of legal battles with the county <laughs> later. <laughs> we were officially kicked out of our original location in Shoals by Washington County. That's not a logical <laughs> sentence to follow. We were in a rural commercial zone, and our success wasn't tolerated. We knew we had to have the name Shoals in our new location, and in our head, a pizza Shoals fit. A piece of Shoals is how it sounds to us, if said really fast. Okay. So, a pizza Shoals, in fact, is named after the pizzerias of New Haven. Um, so, uh, the main difference between New Haven pizza and other pizza is the crust. Uh, and as Wikipedia puts it, it's thin oblong crust, characteristic charring, chewy texture, and limited use of melting cheeses. It tends to be drier and thicker than, but closely related to New York-style pizza. Uh, I went to the um, the original Pepe's, Frank Pepe's, in uh, in New Haven. I have now <laughs> eaten there three times. <laughs> it is indeed really goddamn good pizza. Really? It's spectacular. Because um, it's up long? Uh, it doesn't... It's weirdly shaped. It's true. It's not perfectly round, but it's mostly round. They're going for round. Uh-huh. I don't know how oblong you'd, you'd say it is. Uh, it's also irregularly cut, um, which I think is intentionally done. Like they, they sloppily cut it. They don't, they don't make the slices meet in the center so that they're yeah. all triangles with one rounded, rounded end. Um, there, there are a lot of rectangular pieces. There are a lot of like fragmentary pieces. Uh, it's a kind of a weird presentation. And I've had um, at, uh, let's go over to, uh, oh, here's Frank Pepe's. Um, I can recommend, the first time I went, I made sure that I had just a, a pepperoni pizza um, because I feel like that's kind of, the, the, it's, that's kind yeah, of the... that's where you start. You know, the, uh, yeah, that's where you start. Yeah. That's your turkey club. That's your pho. Um and let me for the men, it's hard to find the menus here. Oh, here here we go. And then uh, the next time I got the um, Quattro Formaggi with crushed Italian tomatoes, mozzarella, Asiago, goat cheese, and pecorino with olive oil and basil. And when the words Quattro Formaggi came out of my mouth, the the career waitress who was waiting on me and my companion said to me, mm-hmm. "That's my favorite." So I oh, knew nice. I knew I had done the right thing. Yeah. And in fact, it was great. And when I went back for the third time, 
again got the quattro formaggi. Got yeah. no complaints about that stuff. Yeah. Also, um, there is a, a local um, brand of soda called Fox and Park. Fox and Park soda. Um, I did not get it, but so two words or three words. Uh, Fox and Park soda, three words. F O X O N. Oh, I see. Fox and not Park. Fox and Park. No, 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 no. F O X O N. Beautiful bottles. Uh, Fox and Park beverages of East Haven, Connecticut. So, I'm pl- I'll pl- I'll plump for them because uh, Frank Pepe believes in them. Other thing about Connecticut dining. Um, Rich Farm ice cream of Oxford, Connecticut. Uh, this might be the best ice cream I've ever I've ever eaten. Mm. Uh, it's a it's a dairy farm, and it smells like a dairy farm. It's very uh, r- richly man- manure scented. <laughs> smells like money, as we would say, where I come come from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I got nothing else to say about that other than this is a lovely place. Is it place. creemy? Is it richer? How is it different from other very, ice creams? You've had lots of, I mean, bad ice cream is good. Yeah, very rich, very creamy, not a hint of graininess to it, mm. um, but it also does not feel uh, artificial or um, sort of, uh, you know, corn syrupy. Um, it's very, very fresh, very wholesome. Big chunks. If you get, say, the uh, banana cream pie flavored uh, pizza, not pizza, ice cream, or mm-hmm. black cherry, vanilla, uh, yeah. or, say, maple walnut, yeah. um, we're not talking about little hints of the banana or cherry or walnut. We're talking about big old chunks of delicious, fresh ingredients in there. Yeah. In a matrix of, of delightful creaminess. So sounds good. If you're in the area, if you're in the New Haven area, I highly recommend both these places. Uh, I'd, I'd like to to go there and have that ice cream. I would like you to do it. With me. I, have, I haven't found great ice cream in Portland. Really, we have a good baseline ice cream here, just grocery store Tillamook. Uh, ice cream is very good. And when we go out to the coast, which we do three or four times a year, we always go to the Tillamook Cheese Factory where you can get, in addition to uh, free bits of cheese at the end of the tour, um, great ice cream they've just made. Yeah. Um, Which is good. You have to stand in line with a bunch of um, Americans. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, but the best ice cream I know of on the west coast of America, as opposed to the eastern coast where New Haven, Connecticut, is, is Mallard ice cream in Bellingham, Washington. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, have we talked about this before? I don't remember. But Mallard uh, ice cream, Bellingham, Washington. I'm there, north of Seattle. Halfway between Vancouver, BC, and self-described and as drool-worthy. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. A lot of reasons to go to Bellingham. There's not a lot of reasons to go. There's a lot of reasons to live there, and one of them is is uh, so you could get fat on mallard ice cream. Hell yeah! Fresh ingredients. Um, made frequently. Everyone is a full-time employee, and then uh, they have. Uh, um, they have uh, uh, 
everybody gets health care, and um, uh, they'll pay for you to take uh, little classes at the college that you want to take, sort of non-degree enrichment things, if you want, just to learn something more. That's lovely. Good employees. Nice place. Yeah, this is this is great. They have a nice little f- FAQ. Um, mm. And uh, they are they have a high opinion of themselves that seems to be borne out by their uh, their admirers. Yeah, they match. They match their ambition to their 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 result. I introduced Oscar to uh, bubble tea yesterday, although not the tea part, uh, like a raspberry smoothie. Yeah. So there's no actual tea in it. I don't yeah. give a tea to a four year old, five year old. Um, and it blew his mind, as you can imagine. <laughs> I mean, from the from, partly from the fact that the uh, the the woman who was working there also works at his daycare and sometimes at the kids kind of uh, kids area of the gym that I go to. So he probably thinks else. that she's president of the United States. She's she is she's either the president of the United States or there's a lot of people who look just like her <laughs> everywhere she goes. <laughs> the big straw, kind of the big fat straw you get with uh, bubble tea. Yeah, does that was impressive to him. Um, he he care he took that to bed last night. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to even long after the uh, the last um, mango flavored tapioca had been had been uh, sucked through the straw and the rest of the cup discarded. That big fat blue straw. He did not let go of the rest of the day. <laughs> Took with him everywhere. I think one of the one of the attractions is that is that one end of it is sharp, and yeah. so he could use it as a weapon um, <laughs> if he needs to. And he might. He might be sneaking up behind me right now. You might hear a blood curdling scream. That's what would have happened if he'd said no to an extra yeah. episode of. Yeah. Uh, so if you hear a scream like that, it's either because I've been stabbed with a fat straw or I've just seen a deer dragon. <laughs> Ed, uh, are you? Uh, have you put your forthcoming book fully to bed? I uh, we get one more pass at it, and there's uh, three or four lines that I'm going to be removing. But aside from that, it is uh, a bed and covered and available for pre-order and everything. Grateful Dead Tapes make the cut? It did. Good. It did. Grateful Dead Tapes. Speaking of which, yeah. have you heard the um, the Nationals uh, Day of the Dead compilation? No. So the band The National. Yeah. You're familiar with The National? Uh, my mother-in-law was a big fan, but I, I never got into them. I never knew. They're fine. Them. Yeah. They're fine. Um, they uh, spearheaded a uh, an album of covers of I think sixty Grateful Dead songs covered by them and the likes of Bonnie Prince, Billy, and other uh, independent rock and roll acts of the last decade or so. Okay, uh, including many I haven't heard of, and it's excellent. Really, excellent, excellent, because excellent reinterpretations. In a contemporary vein of uh, of some pretty good songs, um, with uh, 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 with uh, the pleasure of, of 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 performing these songs separate from with no obligation to sound like the Grateful Dead. Yeah, right. 
Although a few do. It's some pretty rocking stuff. Uh, I am uh, mildly surprised that that is good because you don't. When you think about the Grateful Dead, you don't think of song songwriting as their great as their great skill. They are uh, good songs, but not the, they're they're good songs in the way that. Um, Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have them compete with a lot of other uh, uh, rock songs. They're they're unusual and they're catchy. Okay. Right. I mean, it's a, I, you know, like, to me, it's like a Gilbert and Sullivan or something. It's its own little weird category that if you um, like it, you you find th- things to like that you might not. Like in other things, I was—I don't remember where I was. I was out somewhere with the kids, maybe getting a burger or something, and um, a box of rain started playing on the on the radio, mm-hmm. and uh, I suddenly remember that I love that song. I love it's a that. great song. Yeah, it it's is a great, great song. song. Um, I did not like the Grateful Dead until I was thirty or thirty-five. Yeah, and now I like them quite a bit. Uh, now that I'm in no danger of having to uh, attend a concert. Or, or, or deal with new releases. <laughs> because you're a 45 year old man with a four year old child. I also listen a lot. To, I was also listening a lot to the Andrews sisters and the Boswell sisters lately. So, really? so don't uh, don't take my recommendations. A <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, couple of things I've been listening to lately that I like. This uh, this took me by surprise. I like the new Weezer album. Oh. I think it's catchy and charming. Yeah. Weezer. Weezer. Um, and it is yet another self-titled album, this one nicknamed The White Album. Um, yeah. Uh, this band, Twin Peaks, I think a Brooklyn band, they have a new record yeah. called Down in Heaven. I heard a couple of songs. Uh, really good, really good tracks. Two very different singers, one of them kind of smooth and one of them kind of bratty. Um, and I like the contrast very much. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, my child Owen, in his guise as a, an ambient um, ambient recording artist, mm-hmm. the name of that act is Weeping Crone. Right. He has a new album called "I See You When My Eyes Are Closed." Available uh, on the uh, available on Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Yeah. Um, and I recommend that to to listen. Oh, very good. And not just you all, because you went, you went he, to see you took on you went, you, all, you guys went to see some rock shows well, this week. We certainly did. We were in uh, we we're in Philadelphia, uh-huh. and um, went to see um, Radical Face. Wow! And uh, Radical, which Face, are the same, which is also Electric President. Uh, well, Ben uh, Cooper, who's the the lead guy in Radical Face, is also the lead guy in Electric President uh, from song. Tallahassee. Uh, close, uh, Jacksonville Beach. Pensacola, Jacksonville Beach. Yeah. And I haven't, I mean, I've been in and out of touch with him. His life has been kind of tumultuous, uh, in various ways. Um, and also he's become very well known, especially Uh among, um, especially among young, sensitive, uh, smart women. Uh, Many of whom were at the show. I was there with, uh, good category to be. Well, popular with. I'm going to tell you who Owen and I met at the show is our old friend Sarah Davis. Ah, 
Sarah had come uh, to visit Ithaca for the day. You ran into her coincidentally? Uh, no. Uh, she, oh, okay. she, she came to visit in Ithaca with her children. Uh-huh. And I said, hey, in, in a couple of months, I'm coming to Philadelphia with Owen. We're going to go see this band Radical Face. And she said, oh, that's oh, that sounds interesting. Well, I'll look them up. And then a, a couple of weeks ago, she emailed and said, hey, remember I said I was going to look up that band? Well, I'm really into them now, and I'm going to come to the concert with you. Very good. <laughs> um, but she... Uh, She's our age, uh, and I guess because she doesn't teach at a college, she's not accustomed to being among so many young people. Oh. But it was like, she yeah, couldn't pudding. believe it. She's like, they're all so young. Look yeah. at them all. So these yeah. two, when Owen and I were approaching the, the uh, concert hall, and this is um, World Cafe Live in Philadelphia, which is pretty nice, if uh, somewhat antiseptic venue, but a really good sound system. Uh-huh. Um, and it ends up, the show was packed, and the crowd was very appreciative um and ben is a a wonderful performer again i got to see him afterward and we caught up a little bit but um uh so sarah showed up and she's just looking around in wonder at all the young people and there are these two young women who owen and i had seen entering as we were walking down to the venue um, from a, around a corner came a couple of young women who were clutching a piece of paper that clearly had printed out Radical Face tickets on it, and they were very much of the t- type, like they were sort of alt, you know, alt kids um, mm-hmm. of the sort who Owen might have been a, somewhat intimidated by in high school. And I was like, they're going to go see Radical Face, and Owen was like, yes, they are. And sure enough, they were standing right next to us during the show, and Sarah tur- turned to them and said, how old are you girls? <laughs> slightly offended yeah and they, they said we're 18 and she turned to me with her jaw wide she said they're 18 it would take we're i'm older than both of them combined <laughs> and i i said well first of all age yeah. doesn't work that way and second right. of all almost almost three of one of one of them would fit into fit into you <laughs> It's not good to to do a lot of math. No, uh, no. When you go to a um, a, a rock show, mm-hmm. yeah. But it was really amusing to hear. Unless uh, it's math rock, in which you. No, it was not math. Should rock. bring a calculator. No. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it was. I remember meeting him and his electric vice president when I was visiting Ithaca. Yeah. Um, one time, we all went down to uh, maybe the bar that caught fire and saw yeah. some. Yes, we did. And in fact, that wasn't um, that wasn't Alex from Electric President. That was uh, this guy uh, Jeremiah, who is in the the touring version of Radical Face, and he was there oh, too, okay. of course. And also Matthew Cullen, um, who is not in a band with them, but is now a pretty well regarded recording engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, right, I remember him. He had he had just done some. He worked on some big projects. Yeah, yeah, he works yeah. on a lot of big projects. Big projects. Big projects. Yeah, so that bar... Big important the, guy. The, right here. The chapter house. The chapter house is a hole in the ground right now. It's really sad. That was a good bar. They're, they're planning on building a new one. I mean, there's yeah. signs up, and it's zoned, and it's permitted and ready to go. I don't know if it's going to yeah. happen, though. They're going to build this one out of wood, too? I hope so. Yeah. The drawings suggested that it was uh, going to be in a similar style. Yeah. And apparently they saved a bunch of stuff. Um, Which was like a medieval roadhouse. Was, is that yeah. the style? Kind of? Yep. 
Yeah, actually, that's uh, Mead very Hall, well put. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah, very much so. <laughs> Place to rest your halberd. <laughs> and read some back numbers of Dragon Magazine. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> well, good. We rolled well. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you a fine band that um, just having, I think, their first record coming out. That I've been, uh, I got to see play here and have heard on the radio here in Portland, called Small Million. Yeah, Small Million. Album's coming out today, I think. No, June fourth. June fourth. Okay. And I've been trying to find. There's two of the one of the catchiest songs I've ever heard, which is on this EP that's about to come out, which they've I've heard on the radio twice, but I cannot track down in any other way on, on the internet. So I have to actually probably buy a copy of this thing and wait, um, which is frustrating in 2016 to have to wait for, for entertainment. What is this song called? I'm not sure the name of it. They have two songs on SoundCloud and they're good. This is not one of those. Not one those of are them? good, but it's going to be on the EP. It's on the EP. Yeah. Okay, great. Very good. Yeah, well, they're the, the, it's, yeah coming June fourth, and uh, let's see if they have any shows coming up that uh, Johnny could go see. No, is the answer because they no. have one one show coming up, and it's in Portland, Oregon. It's in Portland. I think I suspect that this band will uh, be well traveled before long. It looks like it's a man and a lady. Man and a lady. Hmm. Little electroconical, electroconical, real good. Mm-hmm, real good. Um, you looked at any books lately? Well, mostly. Just one more, one more Paw Patrol let show. Him, let him have another. Give him another. John says you can watch one more. Okay. <laughs> Do you all have ants? Do you have, do you have ants in your office? Um. Not my office, ants. but uh, in the up up in the house, uh, the the back room of the house. There's a lot of big ants, big yeah, old a, ants. A little ant problem. Little yeah. ti- little tiny ants. They don't bite or do anything, but they they're like uh, they're like seagulls. I mean, like you drop <laughs> a little. Pe- we eat a lot of peanut butter and jelly here. Like a little one little spot of jelly on the floor. Five minutes later, there's it's it's like Glastonbury. There's, I mean, just. <laughs> Like Coachella, like multiple, it's turned into multiple stages. Paying twelve bucks for water, I mean, it's insane. They're quick crowds, flash mobs, little pop ups. <laughs> oh God, you don't want Aunt Coachella on your floor. <laughs> I don't know. I went Glastonbury. Uh, no i'm not having serious ant problems right now i got i got i've got problems but ants (laughs) ants ants ain't one ants aren't one that's good that's good um thank goodness for small things (laughs) but except for ants (laughs) <laughs> but fuck small things. Small things ants. that are not ants. <laughs> fuck an <thing>. ant, but yeah. <laughs> uh, um, you, I was asking you about a book. Oh, I'm mostly reading um, unpublished manuscripts at the moment. Um, my uh, my friend, bandmate, and former student Adam Price has a book coming out in August called... It's uh, son of uh, Vincent. 
right? Son of Vincent, uh, yeah. brother of Al. Bev is his mama, and Run is his pal. Mm-hmm. It's O'Fallon, not. I, I can't go on. I'm sorry. Uh, Adam O'Fallon Price. His first book is coming out in August. It's called The Grand Tour. It's really good. But he sent me a draft of his um, would-be second novel, which is about um, sort of a ghost story set in an abandoned, or it's not abandoned during the, the most of the novel, um, uh, a Catskills Resort. Um, and it's, it's really good. It's not finished, but it's really yeah. good. And uh, now I'm reading the manuscripts for the Colgate Writers Conference, which I'm returning to in a couple of weeks. Mm. And uh, so it's coming up soon. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, and by definition, the novel manuscripts I read there are a little rough around the edges. But it's really yeah. interesting to see how different the problems with a novel by an adult with a job who has elected to go to a summer conference. How different. Those problems are from the problems of a sophomore um, who's taking a creative writing class at Cornell, and I almost think. But what are some of the uh, what are some of the key differences? I feel like I feel like certain personal eccentricities have settled in a little bit, and so sometimes you look at a manuscript by an adult amateur who's trying to make a go of it and you think it's a bit off-putting it's like you don't know how to do this and then you read for a while and think but no one is doing this that's why i think that right (laughs) the fact that you're not doing it right the first go round is sort of Uh, beside the point and doing it in your own weird way consistently exactly exactly and i feel like when people are young they they kind of and they get into it early and they work on it early they kind of win their way towards finding the pocket of eccentricity that the writing is going to come out of that is if they're going to make a go of it in the future whereas people who come to it later in life um things are more hardened but also in a way more weird because they don't have any particular expectations anymore and i kind of like that i yeah. i realize sometimes these classes have been vexing to me because sometimes you'll get a you know you'll get a you'll get a retired physician who's thinking well i was an excellent doctor and now that i'm done with that i'll be an excellent this other thing so i see that in poetry sometimes john yeah <laughs> yeah people who have really distinguished themselves in some field yeah and they retire and they write poems and and uh, and if they're starting, you're starting. Whether you're nine or seventy, yeah, you're pretty shitty to start with. And then it doesn't take long to get better. But you can be really proud of you really if you're really proud of those first couple of poems you write after you retire <laughs> about how great you are, <laughs> or how humble you are. Yeah. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Of and course, it'd be hard. To, it'd be hard to proceed. Yeah, <laughs> who's better at dialogue, adult amateurs or young students? Oh, I don't know. And and I, I can't. Right. Is, there, is, there, is, there, is there a particular sort of aspect, some particular technique, or part of the this mechanics of it that uh, is a difference? No, I don't think I could generalize that much. Um, uh-huh. But I do feel like I, I will say I have a really good group this year. I've glanced at all the manuscripts and I've fully read two of them, and um, and I'm quite excited. I'm 
everyone's problems are very different from each other's and everyone seems pretty smart and earnest and actually capable of making a good good book out of what they've given me so very good yeah i'm off to idlewild in a few weeks as well very well, good we're gonna go to missoula in a few weeks missoula we're gonna go to missoula for a weekend uh for fun but then uh, go down to Idlewild for the Idlewild Writers Week after Fourth of July. Good. Um, Alice still going to be around? I think Alice will be gone. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I hope she's still around. It'll be good to see her. I got to see uh, uh, Alyssa Washuda. Oh, great! Uh, a couple of weeks ago, she came and read at Portland Community College, and I had nothing to do with setting it up. All I had to do was just go and listen. It was unrelated to me. I would not, wouldn't even known about it if it weren't for a poster. Um, she didn't. She, read, t- she didn't tell you about it. She didn't uh, send you an email say you should come see me. She didn't know that I worked. I I, I haven't told everybody where you where work? I work. Yeah, yeah. I didn't tell people I was leaving Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> I've been down here for a year. People don't know I'm gone. <laughs> and she read some a new piece that was hilarious. She read her piece from Monkey Panky. Oh, good. Real good. Yeah. And then she wrote a new piece about uh, um, uh, uh, um, noticing that uh, when she looks at the Native American autobiographies and biographies category in Amazon, that she is not number one. (laughs) um, And that, in fact, spots one through five uh, uh, eternally have been um, white men writing who have written biographies of uh, plains indian chiefs oh who you know died heroically in battle yeah you know, against the army or something and so she uh, she has a little essay imagine imagining herself as a white man writing one of these <laughs> biographies how she would do it how she would <laughs> capture the first number one spot on the native american Biography and autobiography section. First of all, she'd have to be a white man, and she'd have to choose as a subject, um, you know, uh, um, uh, an Indian chief with a, 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 a with a certain kind of name yeah. from a certain kind of region from a you know from the eighteen seventies or eighteen eighties. Yeah. Um, and the other ways that she would have to write it, things that she would have to mention in the first paragraph, um, things that she would have to do say on her book tour and in interviews. Um, uh, and it's just hilarious. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's, I, maybe I'll ask her to if I can yeah. if I can read a copy. She's yeah. uh, she gave me some fiction to read too, and it is very good, very yeah. funny. She's good at everything she does. She's, yes, she is. She's a good poet. Indeed. Wait, really? I haven't read her poetry. Started out as a poet. Oh man. Started out as a poet. I'm gonna get a look at that. Yeah. She's on a bridge now. I, I I saw I saw the pictures on Instagram. Resident writer at the uh, Fremont Bridge. That's fantastic. I want a bridge gig, man. Man, tell me about it. I read a good book. An advanced copy of Maria Semple's um, hey new novel, uh, which comes out in October, called "Today Will Be Different." Wonderful. It all takes place in one day. Is this her first book since uh, Bernadette? Yes, it is. Yeah, and uh, it it, uh, it opens with uh, with the character um, at her her weekly little poetry meet poetry breakfast, in which she discusses memorizes a poem 
and discusses it with a, a tall, handsome, heavy set fellow. Really? Um, <laughs> <laughs> who ends up also, uh, she ends up res- uh, helping him keep his job uh, handing out samples at Costco. Oh, that's which is his other job. Yeah, that's there. So it's, it's a hilarious. And there it diverges from. Jill and I, Jill read it too. It is a hilarious. It is one of the funniest books I've ever read. Really? All right. Yeah. Coming I mean, out? Independent from from knowing Maria and and you know there being some stuff about poetry in it. Um, I mean, it's it's just hilarious. Okay. I mean, Bernadette's funny. Yeah. Her first novel's funny. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, Bernadette has, is, is great. This is funnier than Bernadette, uh, and and more even more artful. I, mean, I thought that what you might write, what might write after Bernadette would be something more um, novelly, or you know, more uh, more more intricate or larger, um, you know, bigger book in terms of you know scope and scene and characters and things. Um, and this is not. I mean, this is um, you know, it's one day, a few characters, small and focused, limited, small and focused, yeah. which is harder to do yes it is it's it both hard to do. to do i can't do either one yeah. but but uh, i mean you can you can uh, i was very impressed by it and and how funny it is excellent I'm, uh, i'll look comes forward out to in it. october mm-hmm. i'm and i'm on leave and i will i'll be wanting to do some uh, recreational reading well i recommend the 100 section of uh, the dewey decimal system <laughs> okay okay for which, to enjoy, you'll have to probably go to the public library, right? College libraries tend to yep. use their their, uh, their more obscure, scientific obscure system. nonsense, yes. Yeah. Give me the Dewey system. It collects things by eccentricity yep. rather than um, – by Victorian eccentricity rather than reasonable <laughs> groupings. I approve. Yeah. I'll, hang it, hang, I'll hang out in the, the hundreds for sure. So there's not a little too much new agey stuff and annotated Bibles, but you can skip over those or deface them as you. <laughs> as you well, as you, whatever you are. Thank you for the suggestion. Whatever's your thing, man. You know. <laughs> All right, you want to you want to wrap this up? We're uh, seems like a good. It seems like a fine return to form after our hiatus. I think so. All right. Talked about some food. Talked about some music. Talked about some books. Yeah, we did it. We did it. Ticket giveaway. Ticket giveaway. Amy Mann, Ted Leo. And friends. Free tickets. Edscoog at gmail.com. Or let me know. Let me know. If you happen to know the location of Ed Skoog, just bang on that screen door. Just knock on my door. No one knows where I live. But give it a try. <laughs> oh no, don't say that. <laughs> just, just go door to door asking for some free shit. <laughs> Until you answer. Yeah. I'm in Oregon. <laughs> Address Ed Skoog, Oregon. General delivery, Oregon. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch. Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well, then come to lunch. It's time for Lunchbox with Ed and John That's right, it's time for Lunchbox with Ed and John